Gold back above 1900. Copper at $3. Oil collapsing. There's a lot of very smart people calling for a big, big shakeup in the markets. We'll talk that. We'll talk lithium. It's been quite the week for the Trump show. It started with the story about the lack of tax payments, <laughs> and it ended with the president and his wife contracting COVID-19. Lots going on. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Fight the Fed, Nick Hodge. This is episode 89 of Bizarro World, and holy fuck, Nick. It's a lot going on. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm still virus-free. I hope the same for you and yours. How are you doing? Virus-free, washing my hands, being cautious. There's a lot to digest. Let's um, let's get into the markets first because there's going to be plenty of Trump commentary on this one. Not by our doing, um, by their doing. Gold. Uh, a lot of people were believing, and I, you know, and I said, you know, the numbers are the numbers. But if it if gold broke below eighteen sixty three, that we could see a test of that eighteen oh five level. It bounced beautifully, and it's back at nineteen hundred. Um, what are your thoughts? I know that Mr. Dines and Keith McCullough from Hedgeye. Um, I just watched the presentation earlier that you forwarded from him. Both groups are calling for a pullback. Um. A well, we what we already know is an economic collapse because you can only lie about productivity so long before you actually have to show it a little bit, right? And and so I think that we're seeing um, that starting to, to 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 play itself out. But are you in the camp that we do get one of these collapses? And I know I went from gold to 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 Mr. Dines mm. and Mr. McCullough, but I thought that was a more important point to start with. So we'll go back to gold in a bit and the implications. You know, collapse is, uh, is an interesting word. You can have uh, an invisible crash, as Mr. Dines will, will, will tell you uh, as well. And so, um, you know, he also called it uh, the mainstream media's lie by omission, simply talking about how uh, basically what you were saying, low productivity, record numbers of homeless uh, in the streets, record numbers of, of unemployment and the now ticking into the, the permanent side with 3.8 million unemployed. He was saying, you know, we're entering a, a depression and, and it's no secret that some of the economic prints, I mean, we've been talking about this for months, some of the economic prints that we were seeing were depressionary level uh, prints uh, as far as, you know, industrial production or, or, or sales growth or whatever they were. And so, uh, the the recipe was there uh, for a depression, and um, it's been a battle, right? We've been talking about it. Fight the Fed, right? I mean, um, are they going to be able to to print their way out to to stave it off, to keep assets inflated, and and keep people spending in combination with fiscal stimulus, um, or is the the reality, the gravity of the situation, which you can uh, see through those economic, uh, those employment numbers I just cited, as well as the uh, sales growth of, of, of public companies um, is the reality of the situation. And so you and I know that we're, we're expecting a reset and it's always been what is the order of that going to be and, and when's it going to be here? And, um, you know, collapse is a big, strong word. If I look at assets um, and, and, and not everybody's calling it collapse. You mentioned Keith McCullough. He would call it a quad four. Um, and, and, Things do well in quad four. Things can go up in, in, in that sort of environment. Uh, 
certain classes of treasuries and the dollar itself and, and gold and holds its own utilities, REITs, uh, quality dividend uh, paying companies. And hmm. so uh, <laughs> I wonder where we've heard all those things before, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so collapse, you know, in those terms, it's just maybe a collapse of uh, FANG stocks, maybe, but, uh, you know, and, and maybe depressionary uh, level economic indicators uh, surrounding us, but not necessarily uh, a collapse entirely if you know how to position for it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and again, you know, I think we can go back. This is episode 89. I think since episode one, you and I have been talking about the sustainability of the gold bull market, how eventually it would have to move hand in hand with a rising dollar. I believe this is the quarter where we see that either proven out or we see a pullback in gold, maybe down to that $1,800 level or, or even the 1760 level. Um, I don't think that happens because as as Mr. McCullough would say, what choice do you have? Are you going to buy Snowflake at a hundred times, you know, earnings? Are you going to buy, you know, um, Tesla at these levels? Are you going to park big capital in the Treasury market? Um, so I, I I think these these realities are going to start manifesting themselves in the market relatively soon. And then we know what the second step is, right? It's a two-step. One, the market demanding more stimulus. And the second step is Powell and the politicians coming back from vacation if they can quit getting COVID. And we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and, and delivering it because, again, we know who the Fed, central bankers, and politicians are on the side of. They are on the side of those of us that own financial assets and have exposure. They don't really care about anyone or anything else, regardless of whether you have a Biden or Trump flag flying outside of your, you know, yard or door. Um, it, it, they don't care. It doesn't matter to them. Um, that's that's where I see it. So, yeah, I, I think this is a very consequential quarter here in the fourth quarter. I'm extremely encouraged by the way that gold came back to the $1,900 level after flirting with, you know, 1860, 1863, 1865. It bounced beautifully both times. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it'll be a fun Q4. I, 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 I've said before to subscribers that October has a way of delivering volatility if you look historically in the overall indices, right, some of the biggest crashes we've ever had um, tend to happen in October. And, and, and for whatever reason, uh, blame it on the moon, blame it on Libra and Scorpio season. My birthday's here at the end of this month. You know how volatile that can be. Um, but whatever it is, October does have a way of delivering some fireworks. And I don't believe this year will be an exception. It's the cyclicality of nature, Gerardo. It is indeed. It is indeed. Let's talk copper because obviously we saw a pretty, pretty substantial pullback in the copper price. But then again, copper rebounded, I think, foretelling that the market senses there will be more stimulus regardless of how stale the economic numbers continue to be. Copper pulled back to the 288 level, if I'm not mistaken, just a day or two ago and 286 actually here, just less than 24 hours ago. And it's right back up to the $3 level. Any thoughts on Dr. Copper? I want to talk about the stimulus uh, and then I'll get to copper somehow. Um, you were talking about how the Fed is content to inflate asset prices without consequence for uh, the everyman, right? And how they're not on the side of the everyman, but on the side of the, the asset owners. Um, and 
Uh, well, a couple of things. The, the Spend Now program is talking about doing just what uh, you're saying, getting money directly into the uh, hands of people, uh, because that's what's needed. And that's, you know, what, what I talk about and many others when we talk about, you know, fight the Fed and, and hiding price discovery. It's like if you really want to uh, help the people, if you really want to bail out the country uh, and fight uh, recession and depression, you know, put money directly in the hands of, of, of people instead of buying junk bonds. Right. Hmm. Um, and the the uh, government has done that to some extent with the twelve hundred dollar uh, checks. And we're <laughs> that was so long ago. <laughs> right. That's all gone. They're circling each other on another thing. But um, a, a couple of things, I guess I'd say is, um, you know, one, that creates animosity, right? And we know it creates wealth inequality. That's not even an argument. And that leads to some of the turbulence you're seeing as far as socioeconomics are concerned and people uh, are marching in the street. It creates un unrest. And then the second thing I'd say is that um, embracing that better solution, investing in things, and I'm going to go to infrastructure eventually, I'm sure you know, um, is a chance to, um, you know, create something that uh, lasts, that is visible, uh, and that can do much more to unite the country uh, than uh, buying financial assets that not everyone owns, right? Everyone drives on the road. Everyone, uh, you know, uses the bridges and the airports, et cetera, et cetera, and needs uh, high-speed internet. And uh, I'm sure you read the issue of Hard Asset Digest this month with, featuring John Kaiser. And I know you interviewed him yourself uh, recently as well. He was talking about, and he actually put it very eloquently, that, you know, this generation, which we know needs to come of age and rise to power. Um, and, you know, so we have someone much younger than mid-70s running for president in 2024. Um, they're very nihilistic right now, right? Because there's like, they can't see the future. And I would put myself in that camp in some respect. Like it's hard to visualize five, 10 years out, something, you know, positive to look forward to. It's, <laughs> uh, right. And so if you, as far as the country is concerned, I mean, just look at the debate. Uh, just look at the tenor oh, of the debate. Lord. Right? I mean, and so. No, you, you no, can. you look at the debate. You look at the debate. Whatever. You look at the debate. <laughs> uh, whatever. Gentlemen, even your, gentlemen, even, gentlemen. Even your you laugh agree, is weak. You agree. Oh, I don't agree. Whatever. Fake news. Sad. That <laughs> was the debate. Just shut up, man. Oh, yeah, sad. Yeah, weak. Even your shut ups are weak. That was the debate for those of you that missed it. My apologies. But I'm yeah, sorry to so, you know, if we, if we could... Um, rebuild our infrastructure, not have lead in our pipes and, and put real put dollars to use for real things instead of digital uh, assets on a screen. I think it would change the uh, or inflect the, the attitude of the, the country. And those are the, the sort of catalysts that you need if you were to come out of the fourth turning in uh, a positive way and not a negative way. Not have led, and so I'm uh, sorry about copper. Um, you know, I, I don't know, it's copper skidded a bit after showing some strength above three dollars, and so maybe it sees this, uh, you know, depression that's that's forming or that's here. Um, and it's going to depend on maybe maybe the response. You know, we'll see what the sort of infrastructure uh bill looks like, but certainly it's it's a barometer for things like that. 
Yeah, you mentioned uh, lead in our pipes. I, I, I'll just go for not having lead in our kids at this point, right? I mean, yeah. the water system and the situation in Michigan is still what it was years ago, despite being able to digitally create magic money out of the air and just hand it out to airlines and corporations and, and a tiny little bit for the people. Right. Um, so yeah, again, it's, it's to me, this, this generation of central bankers and politicians, and I know you probably get sick of hearing it every week from me, but I get sick of experiencing it, um, is, 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 is clearly here for the well-to-do and, you know, we're going to be all right, but it really is a rigged game out there. All we can do is try to provide some options. And you mentioned the fact that, you know, not all things go down in a quad four situation, as Mr. McCullough calls it. Um, there, there, There is money to be made and there is real value to be created. And I think that's where, you know, uh, dabbling and speculating in the resource space um, whether you do it part-time or or as a career, um, can be extremely profitable if you're wired and know what to do, right? I mean, sure. People see the writing on the wall for for resources and major mining companies and, and royalty companies coming in and putting down hard cash to buy future production of, of said metals. And so, um, yeah, it's happening. At significant premiums, let's let let let's talk specific deals. You know the 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 most recent one, the one that was just announced yesterday evening. We record this on a Friday, of course. Um, Osisco Gold Royalties coming in and paying sixteen point six million Canadian upfront um, for the right, certain rights um, to certain royalties on Regulus's Antiquary project in Peru. Um, they did so. Uh, in, 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 in a very aggressive and clear manner. Um, they obviously want exposure to the asset. They want uh, future exposure to what they believe will be a mine. Um, Regulus, to their credit, I thought it was brilliantly negotiated. They only issued 5.5 million warrants um, at 225 per share, a 48% premium to the 20-day trading average. And again, if they were to raise 16.6 million Canadian um, at a buck 50, they would have had to have issued, you know, at least 11 million shares and and half as many warrants. And so, you know, to go from 16.5, 17 million shares and warrants down to 5.5 to do it at a 48% premium. And then not only that, but they were also able um, to negotiate that Osisco will have the option to acquire 50% of any royalty that Regulus has by ponying up 75% of the purchase price. So they even got a premium on that. Kudos to John Black and the team. Um, phenomenal deal. And now they're fully funded for what I think will be a, a, a critical phase two drilling program at Antanorte, which has the potential um, to, I think, move suitors off the sidelines. And and, and I think they're going to have to write a check in the in, with a B and not with M's, right? Look at you getting people into deals uh, ahead of time. Every now and then, what's that blind scroll uh, <laughs> analogy that you make? Every now and That's then we it. get one or two right, right? And uh, no, look, it, 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 we talked about this off air a bit, right? I think, you know, with, with Resource Stock Digest, with Outsider Club, with Digest Publishing, we're really nothing. I'm really nothing without the network around me. And that includes, you know, obviously yourself, but... You know, there's a couple of thousand companies on the venture exchange and, you know, 
everybody's got a story to tell and everybody wants to, 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 to believe that their story is the one that should be told. But at the end of the day, there's only so much uh, wisdom that you can have on your own and access you can have on your own. And I think the collective um, wisdom and insight and, and access of, of, of the network really is critical um, to be successful in this space. And, you know, you don't develop that overnight. So anyhow, yeah, that's that. Thoughts on the Regulus deal, Nick? No, it's a phenomenal deal for, for shareholders. Uh, shares are trading uh, higher today. You're much uh, closer to it than than I. But an initial reading, it sounds just like you say, uh, very non-dilutive, very advantageous to, to Regulus uh, shareholders. And obviously a team that has um, uh, done it before and has uh, other irons in the fire as well. So... Um, just an entire team to watch there with uh, John Black and Regulus. Absolutely. I know you want to talk lithium before we pivot into everybody from the president on down contracting COVID. Well, I told you uh, <laughs> a couple of months ago that I was starting to question the lithium scenario and that's all that would be needed for it to uh, uh, turn itself around. And I'm not sure how much we talked about uh, battery week and the uh, the deal that Tesla announced, or, or at least the intentions that that Tesla announced to build a spodamine refinery in here uh, in Austin your state of, of Texas, exactly right, and um, doing so by feeding it uh, with uh, ore or spodamine from uh, a company called Piedmont Lithium, which has asset in uh, North Carolina and is a company you and I have sat down with and, and have looked at a couple of times, which had. Uh, an incredible response to the news as far as uh, share price is concerned. And if you look across the entire lithium complex, you can see uh, many breakouts occurring on what I would have to say is the back of this news, including um, one that, again, I forget what I talked about, where I think we've talked about critical elements lithium, or at least name dropped them once on this podcast. We have. Um, uh, you know, because you talked about with them with with, with Stefan and and with with JS and and I wrote a check into it and um, they've got a hard rock asset same spudamine asset in Quebec that um, if you line up head to head with Piedmont um, you know outperforms on a couple of metrics and is just approaching the uh, permitting phase in Quebec and and that stock has gone from thirty five to fifty five cents in mm. quite a hurry and, and so. Um, if only and, and I knew you, somebody that would have offered me a private placement. <laughs> and then if you look at, you know, at Trump's announcement for critical elements this week and all the other things you and I talk about all the time as far as electrification and batteries coming, X, Y, Z, um, and a lot of lithium quality lithium names out there might be worth a look. That's it. Might be worth a look. Uh, well put, well said. Um, you know, I thought I was real smart. I traded out of Lithium Americas right before battery day because I did speculate that the news from Tesla would be a bit of a disappointment to the average speculator. And, and it was, um, Tesla traded down. I, I traded out of lithium Americas. We booked a 47% gain. Um, the stock proceeded to go down 30% the day after I thought I was real smart and it's up 67 to 70% since then it's now turned around and making brand new 52 week highs. Nobody's complaining about a 47% profit, especially when that position was down 50% at one point, but yeah, it, it, it speaks to how quick things can turn, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, some of these names were, yeah, dead in the water, uh, 
Yeah, for sure. Yep. Some of the biggest wins go down 50%, right? That's how it goes. That's how it goes. You got to know what you're into and why you're into it. Let's talk the Trump show. The week started with reports of what we thought, you know, <laughs> would be the biggest event um, coming out of the administration. And that was finding out that Mr. Trump has paid $750. It's almost comical in taxes each of the past two years. That's not 750 million or 75 million or even 750,000. We're talking $750, right? Um, and, and we talked about how, you know, the central bankers and politicians are there for the well-off and the well-to-do. And if, 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 look, Trump has every right, and it's actually his responsibility to exploit every legal loophole to minimize his tax bill, as do I, as do you, as long as it's legal and as long as, you know, you're, you're, you're actually declaring all the income that you make and you do things the right way. He has a responsibility to himself. However, we, we will find out whether or not some of the credits and, you know, write-offs were, were legit, but it, it, it doesn't pass you know, the smell test. We've talked about how growing up, you know, I didn't have, I didn't, I don't come from money. I didn't have much growing up. Um, and so, you know, when, when, when it was time to see if the milk was still good, you just stick your nose in the carton and you see if it passes, this, right? Simple, you know? And so this doesn't pass the smell test for me. Two years in a row of $750. Um, we'll see. So we thought that was going to be the biggest story of the week with Trump. And then Thursday night, I get home from having a couple of drinks with my wife. Um, in a safe, social, distant manner, of course. And I, I, I turn on the TV. I couldn't believe it. Donald and Melania Trump have COVID-19. Um, news just broke that he does have mild symptoms. So we know him and Melania are not asymptomatic. I think that's important. Um, news also just broke that he won't be um, doing anything uh, that was on a schedule today on Friday. And the only thing that was on a schedule today was a phone call with seniors. Um, that's curious to me and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it doesn't seem like a phone call with seniors would take a lot of effort. Um, and it makes me wonder if the mild symptoms they're describing aren't more serious than what they're letting on. And then the other side of me, because you got, you know, this is Donald Trump. He is a showman. He, um, he could not have it. He could not have it. You know, this may be a stroke of genius by the administration where he comes out of this in a week or two and says, even the COVID couldn't get old Donnie out of here. I'm back, baby. I didn't have to debate Biden again. Disaster averted. And, um, you know, I'm going to keep leaning on governors like Governor Abbott here in Texas to close down early voting um, drop-off ballot locations, which is something that he's being sued for now. That happened yesterday here in Texas. Again, they keep telling us that they want us to get out and vote. But when the vote starts looking a certain way, machines start breaking, high-speed sorters start getting thrown in the garbage, and now polling locations um, where voters can cast absentee ballots, drop-off locations, are being just shut down early, um, like one day's notice type early. Like Harris County in Texas, um, where Houston is a part of that, obviously, you know, many millions of people, has one drop-off location, Nick. One. And who are the people that need to vote early? It's the people that tend to be, you know, elderly and, and sick or vulnerable that can't take a day off of work, maybe, that can't make it, you know, out of... Their, their, their living situation to go and actually vote. And so, again, 
they tell us one thing by they, I mean the politicians and they do the complete opposite of it. Um, any thoughts on that? Oh, there was all sorts of stuff there. I mean, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. We started all the way, we started all the way back at the taxes. Um, Look, I think a lot of people had a, a, a visceral reaction to the taxes. There's a couple of ways to uh, view that. You know, first of all, for um, through the lens of you know being the president of the United States, I don't think that reflects uh, well. On, <laughs> um, and so, especially since way. he's been the hiding his taxes, is, right? Exactly. I mean, he's clearly been trying to cover it up and, and didn't want those things to come out. Uh, but then the other thing I would say is it's more appalling um, and an indictment of the tax system, mm, I would say, yep. uh, that, that Mr. Trump himself, that those sort of things, uh, you know, are able to to get through. I mean, 75 grand on haircuts, for example, you talked about, you know, not growing up rich. Those are the things that foment resentment um, from the middle class. Right. I mean. You know, that's 75 grand is 50 percent higher than the median family income. And he's spending Mm. that on his his haircut and taking it off as a tax deduction. And so, um, yeah, that's that's, you know, what gets me. And of course, if you're anti-Trump, you're going to be resentful or or angry at him. But, you know, me is coming at it from the middle. It's like that. Well, that's an entirely broken system. I mean, those sort of uh, loopholes, uh, it shouldn't be. allowed right i mean essentially some of the best points i made were you know he 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 figured out how to monetize essentially being famous he's like the original you know kardashian right and so the apprentice really bailed him out we don't have to get into the weeds about how he got money from that and then was able to lever that into taking out a bunch of loans that he then put into uh real estate investments that uh, may or may not pay off we'll see they're coming due right that's what the uh, the report showed. But anyway, uh, as far as the taxes are concerned, yeah, I mean, you got to close loopholes like that and have a little bit of teeth in the IRS, which is a whole separate thing. They've defanged the, the IRS entirely. And so, um, you know, you can't be if you're the government, you can't be walking by these hundred dollar bills on the ground by these uh, high net worth, super high net worth individuals. Right. Um, and so that's how I sort of feel about the uh, the taxes as far as the um, you know, COVID, I, there's a whole lot of irony in there, right? Um, given how he originally responded to it and how many of his supporters view it and have openly called it a hoax. Um, how he made know, fun of so, Joe Biden during the debate for having the for biggest face mask, mask he'd ever seen. No doubt. I mean, you know, 2020's irony is 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 deep for sure. Like, the, <laughs> you know, it's if the writers' room for 2020 is just nailing it, like time after time, it's better than Game of Thrones. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I must confess something, just... Nick. I must confess something. What's that? You're, you're, you're gonna, I know you don't watch TV. I, I probably watch too much because I I love sports, and so I often find myself sitting in front of a movie screen for hours at a time. And I happen to love movies as well. So I must confess to something and then I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet for a second. Um, South Park just had a pandemic special um, two days ago. And it I, I know you don't watch TV. And for those of you out there that, that have somewhat of a sense of humor, just go watch the South Park pandemic special. Don't, don't have your kids around. It's not kid friendly, despite the little cartoon guys. But... Um, Holy smokes. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. And I had several friends um, who also don't watch much TV and sure in the heck don't watch any cartoon stuff. Right. 
um, that, that, that I, I sent the link to. And I said, just look, watch for five minutes and if not turn it off. And they, they all, I mean, just, just brilliant, 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 hilarious. Um, anyhow, that, that was a plug. I'm not being paid for it. Just, it's brilliant. You should go check it out. South Park Raiders among the best out there. I've seen several episodes in the, in the movie and it's good, good stuff. So good. So yeah. So back to Mr. Trump mocking Mr. Biden and, and, you know, um, putting not just himself, um, but frankly, you know, the country, um, sure. in, in, in a pickle, it's not just him, you know, um, Melania has tested the, positive, uh, a gentleman other from senators. Utah. Yeah. yeah. Other senators you have, you have um, McConnell out here saying that you know we 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 should recess because if anyone anybody else on our side gets sick, essentially we're fucked. And by we, I mean the Republicans, right? That's that's him talking, not me. I'm not a Republican, of course. I'm not a Democrat either. But just to be clear, um, and, and again, we're just now starting to get the contact tracing, which is going to be you know a task in itself, given the administration's approach to. COVID-19 and you would have thought when Herman Cain passed away that there would have been Herman Cain's still tweeting by the way (laughs) anyway just 2020 man I I I, oh man I don't know if I want it to be over or if like I should just get popcorn at this point and just post up right like it's just it's insane it's insane um we do have an election uh, about a month away and so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the election and the way things look now. I haven't looked at the betting odds since news of the president's COVID diagnosis um, was announced. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I love politics and betting markets and, and looking at all that stuff. And if you had asked me, like during the debate, <laughs> right, um, for as chaotic as it was and as buffoonish as he made himself out to be, I thought that Trump didn't take many, many open net shots that he was presented to just slam the puck or the ball in whatever your sports preference is. Um, you know, there were so many times he could have just opened up on him about people in his close circle being investigated or prosecuted. Um, or charged with criminal activity, all, all sorts of stuff that I just thought he could have gone for the throat on more that uh, he didn't. And so if you had asked me, uh, and I spoke to some other people about this earlier in the week, and uh, if you had asked me who was going to win, you know, combined with, um, I, I talked about cyclicality and turnings, I would say that we need, we almost need Trump to win to hit a generational bottom. Politics and and, every, and and everything aside, right? As far as how you feel about that, like we 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 need this, we need it. This is where we're at, y'all. We need Trump to win so we can hit the generational bottom and get on with the rest of our lives. That's it. And so, um, but you know, he lost several percentage points in the betting market after uh, the debate, and he's lost just today four uh, percent. He's down, so that's a significant move. That's like. Um, like half what the stock market moves in a year, for example. He's had a one-day move of that capacity downwards. So he's at 30, he's below 35% now, Trump is, as far as chances, election betting odds, where people put their money where their mouth is as far as getting elected. And so uh, he's outside like the margin of polling error, even at this point. And so, um, yeah, those would be my thoughts on the election. It looks like... um, you get a maybe a, a, a Biden. I hate making predictions like that because 
you know what that what that means is that it opens it up for a two-term Biden presidency, which I uh, don't see and and don't want. And so I don't know, you know, who else is ticking up in the in other betting polls? It's like Kamala being the the first female president, right? Like Joe Biden dying in office. But then you just get into all sorts of crazy speculation. So I don't know. The numbers tell me um, the numbers tell me Biden's got it at this point and uh, a lot could change. It's been a weird ass year. Like you say, he could <laughs> Trump could not even have coronavirus and, you know, some other crazy October surprise happened. So you said October is famous for surprises. We'll see. Let me put it this way. This is 2020. It's entirely possible, Nick. And, and let me be clear. I wish the president and his wife you know, a speedy and healthy recovery and a stable election and all that for everybody in all sides. But 2020 is so crazy that it wouldn't be out of left field for this year for Trump to lose, Biden to step away either due to health issues or just because it's what's best, Kamala to step in, then some crazy shit happened there where people don't want the first female president, and and that's what kicks off, you know, the civil war that many have been calling for for decades on end and, you know, hoping to be right in a morbid, sick way because um, who wants that, right? Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't completely surprise me if that's how we ended the year. Trump loses, Biden steps down due to health issues, Kamala steps up, and everybody that already, you know, hated a potential Biden presidency really hates, you know, the black Indian woman president who wasn't voted in um, and people just losing their shit. Right. Because again, you, you, you spoke to the betting odds going against Trump. And I have to wonder if some of that is because many in his base haven't believed that COVID-19 was real because of how cavalier him and his administration has been. And so maybe this is a few of those people going, Oh, wait a minute. This shit is real. Like what? Well, what else is he wrong about then? Right? Stand back and stand by. We want to get into that part. Do you believe no, he mean, didn't know who the Proud Boys oh, are? Come that's on, a right? Total dog whistle. The dog man. whistle, and he's been doing it the whole time, right? And again, you know, if if if, if yeah, 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 I, I'll leave that one alone because I have really personal feelings about that. Um, really deep feelings, kind of like the kids in cages and, you know, some of the other stuff. Um, this gets real people hurt and real people killed. And um, yeah, it, 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 when we talk about a generational bottom um, and in order to hit it, Trump has to win. Um, it speaks, I think, to the character of the man, right? That that's what, <laughs> that's what we associate with a generational bottom is, 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 is Trump and, and his reelection. And you can feel how you feel about Trump or Biden, but I don't think it's up for debate that this administration is a total shit show. No, that's what I meant. I mean, you know, and that's, I was casting politics aside. I mean, we, you, we've given him credit where credit's due as far as how he's handled China and some of the things he's done with uh, criminal justice reform, uh, et cetera. But in a very real way, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a, he reveals himself to be very self-centered. Um, and if you couldn't see that in the, in the debates on, 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 on Monday, then again, that's one of those things that I can't help you, but, um, and that's sort of like the epitome, if you want to talk about generations, right. Of like the boomer generation, like, um, it's about me and McMansions now and paying for it later or pushing it off into other generations. I'm always right. And so, 
Uh, nothing against my boomer friends and my boomer parents, man, but y'all done fucked it up. And, and, and that's what I mean by a generational bottom. Generational bottom. Can we talk about our intelligence services? Because again, I've also speculated that it wouldn't be surprising to me in 2020 if Trump won. And because the last president that was as outspoken against the intelligence community, the FBI, and a host of other very power of the military industrial complex, that, that was Kennedy. And we know how that ends up. It wouldn't surprise me if Trump wins and something happened with him. And so, you know, this week we found out that there were plans discussed by the U.S. intelligence um, and a private security firm to poison or kidnap Julian Assange from an Ecuadorian embassy. Like these, these, these were actual plans that were in the works. Sure. These were discussions that were had. And again, we know this happens, but you talk about a generational bottom. We're talking about kidnapping or killing a man in from someone from somewhere else in Ecuador, an embassy nonetheless, because he exposed some things that were illegal and nobody who did the illegal things is in trouble. No doubt. Same with same with, uh, you know, Snowden, which we were talked about a couple of weeks ago and how that the information that he revealed as far as the spying was deemed to be illegal. And there's mm -hmm. going to be no repercussions uh, for that either. Let's talk about something that Trump did that I actually applaud. And that was one more thing on that. Yeah. Just in case nobody re remembers, and I'm sure, you know, plenty of people do and, and know. I mean, it's the way that you talk about Kennedy or, or Martin Luther King or, or, or whatever. The government has a, a, a history of its intelligence agencies um, attempting to assassinate, assassinate or plotting to assassinate um revolutionary or polarizing figures like that for sure that's a fact malcolm x fred hampton martin luther king jr two kennedys right bobby and jfk um and we could go on right we, we could continue we could talk about shea guavara and you know <laughs> the 60s and 70s were a mess um and and interestingly enough coincided with you know the emergence of nixon which coincided with i think the last bottom that we saw in u.s politics right Look at you analyzing turnings. Hmm. <laughs> let's talk. Um, let's talk the CDC. Actually, no, before we do that, let, let me give Mr. Trump credit where credit is due. He signed an executive order addressing the threat to the domestic supply chain from reliance on critical minerals from foreign adversaries. Um, expediting the trend that you've called out many times, right? The electrification of everything and the rush to establish a domestic critical metal supply chain that is independent of China. And again, I've said here on this podcast and in my newsletters and privately and publicly that we are about a decade behind um, in that race before we can make significant inroads, but it has to start somewhere. And hey, this is a step. We'll see if it's largely symbolic, like a lot of things with the Trumpster tend to be, but he is asking for a report. He is inviting, you know, different departments into the discussion and maybe it leads to something that is more sustainable. We've talked about infrastructure, the need for it um, on all fronts, right? Whether it's internet access for kids that need the internet to do their homework, but maybe can't afford it to bridges that aren't falling and crumbling to highways that are still functional um, and modern, all of that. I mean, there's a lot to do. And which is why I get so frustrated with the, you know, 
uh, flaccid response from from our, our our cast of politicians that we have this go around. There's so much they could be doing. They could disagree on so much, but there's so much where I know both sides could agree. They just choose not to. But this was a step in the right direction. Did you get a chance to read the order, Nick? I didn't read the entire order, but I totally get the gist. And we've been through this with similar things with this administration, like uh, aluminum and uh, steel and uh, uranium. And there have been reports in previous months, not just from uh, U.S.-based government or non-governmental organizations, but out of the EU uh, as well about this. And so um, I'm fairly versed on the on the topic and it, and it speaks to some of the things you just said about what we were talking earlier about uh, the copper discussion and, the, mm. and the, 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 the infrastructure stimulus discussion. Right. I mean, Disney just laid off 28, 29000 people. Airlines are uh, laying off more than that. I mentioned the three point eight million now permanently uh, unemployed. I mean, those there's a there's a big industry that needs to be created. I mean, as as far as um, you know, discovering, developing, mining, refining, recycling, distributing uh, the minerals and the the components and the the hardware necessary for the the transition that you're talking about, and and, and that's what I mean when I'm talking about the a future that's based in and uh, t- you as well, I believe, tangible tangible assets or, or hard assets, for example, right, as opposed to. Uh, billion-dollar unicorns, unprofitable unicorns chasing uh, phantom user growth, like uh, real growth, real productivity. That's what it's going to be a, a pivot back to. And uh, the the seeds are there, right? I mean, you, you talked about this this uh, thing that came out this week with uh, Trump. It's not like we don't know what needs to be done. It's just uh, we got to put our collective power uh, behind it instead of uh, arguing about the, the realness of a global vaccine, for example, or a global virus. Agreed. Agreed. There's been a topic the past two weeks here before we go that I want to touch on that really bothered me, and that's the CDC moratorium on evictions. Have you had a chance to dig into that at all, Nick? Also, no. So I was hoping you would tell me what's going on. I I understand the the problem with evictions in the country. What's the CDC evictions? Well, the CDC decided on its own, I guess, um, that it was banning evictions. Um, A federal moratorium on evictions. And so... They're still happening because landlords are, are saying, fuck you, pay me, right? If you've watched Goodfellas, um, um, they, they don't care for whatever the CDC is saying. But it, it, again, it speaks to the overreach, whether or not you agree that Americans or, or, or global citizens, because of the, the, the pandemic and, and government's response to it, forcing people to stay home and shutting down businesses, um, whether or not you believe that there should be a moratorium on evictions, the CDC sure in the fuck should not be um, the department that gets to decide or the organization that gets to decide whether or not landlords can collect rent or evict tenants. Um, Hell no. I mean, when it, it, it blew my mind, I thought it was one of those onion headlines, right? But of course, this is 2020. This was a real headline. And so, you know, as of September the, as of September the 4th, the CDC enacted the order and you know, it uh, it 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 has led to a a, a drop in eviction filings, um, but again, it goes back to the Mark Cuban point point that we made last week, where there's practical things that can be done. You can give people twelve hundred bucks directly 
and make it every two weeks for two months um, and, and, and have it to where it's a use it or lose it type of situation that can directly stimulate the economy, help small businesses, help all businesses and, and get people back employed. You know, we're still getting employment numbers that are absolute trash. So when we talk about an economic collapse, you know, Mr. Dine's brilliant point, right? We could be seeing it. It could be a silent collapse, but it, it, it's already really happening, right? And it's, it, it is government mandated. You can agree or disagree with the lockdowns, but we can't agree that the response and telling everybody to have to stay home and shutting things down and opening things back up with no coherent um, standard on a federal level has absolutely decimated the economy on a global scale. And I don't know if that's by design. You know, I'll put my tinfoil hat on. It's hard for me to believe that this many dumbass politicians actually are able to come together on something, you know, this vast in scope and actually implement it and stick to it. I don't know if it's by design to collapse the economy, to usher in other things, or or, or if it's just a generational bottom like you called it, right, Nick? And I I think it's probably the latter, but I sure in the heck am not going to have, me as a landlord and a real estate owner, am not going to have the CDC telling me what I can or can't do with my private property that I pay property taxes on. You can go fuck yourself. As a libertarian as well, no doubt you don't need government organizations getting in. Uh, the middle of things like that. But use it or lose it. Are you kidding me, Gerardo? There's a T-Rex uh, skeleton <laughs> going on auction this week. We got things to buy. Oh, so much there. So much there. I was going to get into Jacob Wohl getting arrested. For those of you that don't know, he's a right-wing troll that was, um, you know, running around basically. Um spreading disinformation on where to vote and how to vote. And and the goal, again, was to throw people off uh, the left. You know, these are these are right wing guys. These are conservative operatives, as The Washington Post called them. Um, and, 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 you know, they, it was a voter suppression scheme. And so they've been charged with um, felonies. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. The guy's a clown. If, if you've followed this guy at all, just in passing, you know he's a clown. But these are pretty serious charges, and uh, it'll be interesting. Again, it keeps happening, right? And it tends to only happen on the right. So whether you're, you're – if, if you just believe that the Democrats are stuffing ballots or stealing ballots or changing ballots and all of the voter fraud is only coming from the left, then I have to ask to my friends on the right, why does all the voter suppression seem to be happening happening from the right? You would think you it's, would want a more transparent voting process, right? It's so dumb. The level of voter fraud that's been shown to be non-existent over the, the past <laughs> elections is just, it makes the whole argument nonsensical. And so, um, you know, I can't even entertain it. And as far as this guy's concerned, I don't know him well, but um, felonies are very serious charges. They are indeed. Felonies have consequences. Um just charges at this point, he's going to have to defend. But when you're on, you know, when, <laughs> when you're on record as much as he is about all the other silly things that he's done in the past, uh, not surprising, uh, curious that he was charged um, in federal court. That was interesting to me. Um, we'll see if it's a trend, right? We'll see what happens once the election is done. I suspect that once the feds get direction from whatever administration is in power, um, in November, December, January, or February, because who knows when we'll find out who the real president is. I suspect that we're going to see a pretty aggressive push on several initiatives on the federal front, because typically that's what happens after elections, right? You get new direction, you get new blood, you get a new mandate. And um, 
it'll be interesting to see. You know, we've had a lot of government agencies, intelligence reports that state that white supremacist groups are the biggest domestic threat to the United States, right? And there's been seemingly not only little action to counter it, but actually a lot of action to encourage it, right? There's also all sorts of other reports that show, you know, a a, a not healthy tie between law enforcement officials and white supremacist groups. Yeah. So yeah. Um, when you take the combination of those things, I think it's going to be interesting after the election and, and, and generational bottom or not, we're going to find out. I mean, you got this week reports of a DHS uh, issuing or intending to issue uh, statements to influence public opinion about Kyle Rittenhouse, for example. And so uh, the, the kid who shot several people in uh, Wisconsin after crossing state lines with his uh, AR to quote unquote, uh, defend small businesses as a government agency was trying to position it. So um, yeah, dangerous stuff. Yeah, the kid that killed two people in the middle of the street who was privy enough to have a Christian foundation raise $500,000 for his defense. America 2020, I can't make this up. A, a minor with an assault rifle, an illegally trafficked assault rifle, crossed state lines to supposedly go defend property, shot multiple people, killed two in the middle of the street, was putting his hands up for the cops to arrest them. The cops waved him on like, nah, nah, keep going. The guy had time to flee, cross state lines again, and now he's being heralded as a hero and Christian organizations are raising money for his defense. Unreal. Unreal. 2020, y'all. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. That's all I got. That's all I got, Nick. Is there anything to look out for in the resource space this week? Anything you're watching um, that you think um, will be delivered anytime soon? I know, obviously, yeah, there's things. I was, yeah. Yep. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say. my mind. Yep. In, in a COVID world, timing is uh, non-existent or seemingly inconsequential in some respects. And so... Uh, you know, we're waiting for assays from uh, Kinsley Mountain, from uh, New Placer Dome Gold and, and, and Nevada Sunrise. We're waiting for uh, results from Soledad in Peru, from uh, Chicana Copper. I'm highly anticipating uh, early results from a big campaign at uh, Revival's uh, Bear Track Rnet, where we learned this week that uh, the first holes are just going into to Bear Track with uh, the program finishing up at Rnet. And so those are or three that I'm watching uh, uh, pretty closely. Um, yeah, how about you? Well, you know I'm extremely biased because I own a whole heap load of <laughs> Nevada Sunrise Gold. So fingers crossed on that front. I know there's been delays in the labs, um, month-long delays. So I, I, I think, you know, we were hoping to get those initial results by late September. Um, they didn't get the, the, the first nine holes to the lab until several weeks ago. And so, you know, if we're doing four to six week turnarounds, which is the norm right now in Nevada, then we should likely expect those by the end of the month or beginning of November. I mentioned my birthday um, later in the month. That would be a heck of a birthday present. Um, you know, the company's been very vocal, the operator, New Plaster Dome Gold, about the visual indications. And they've alluded to the presence of sulfides and, and mineralization. It means nothing until you have assays. But I'd rather see it than not see it. So, yeah, that, that, that that's a big one for me. And then Almaden. You know, I'm of the belief that 
you know, in the next several weeks, we could get a favorable permitting decision for Almaden. And um, we know how undervalued that company is relative to the reserve base and the exploration upside. There's been recent news that they plan to initiate exploration again. Um, and I think, again, the only thing that's prevented that company from being bought out at north of $3 per share is the permitting overhang. And if that's resolved, then, you know, I think Almaden goes goes away and then Almadex and Azucar uh, become the focus for the Poliquins again. Well, and uh, 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 Almadex can potentially get marked to market in some respect as far as the uh, royalty it owns on that project. And then maybe you could see uh, some value getting actually assigned to that. I'm happy to buy more at cheap prices, right? Um, we had a conversation about Magna. I think, you know, we we talked about what's the next next Magna and I keep saying it's Magna, right? It's, uh, you know, 10 cents to a buck 30 is nice. Um, yeah, a buck 30 to 10 bucks is nice. And I think before this cycle is over, one way or the other, that company is going to get there. But yeah, the same for Almadex and the same for Almaden and a lot of these other companies. I'm happy to see them sit here for another month or two. It just allows me time to buy a whole lot more the way we did with Nevada Sunrise, the way I've done with Abacus, the way I've done with Chicana. Um, we don't want everything going up at the same time. So just like we started the episode by talking about rotating out of certain sectors and, and knowing where to allocate capital, it's important to know it in the resource space because again, a lot of those round trips, right? The, 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 the three and four time uh, increase in share price, um, a lot of those have become round trips now. We talked about how we thought that would start happening in, in late September and early October. And so it'll be interesting here moving forward how many of those companies are able to deliver real value via the drill bit or a deal like the Regulus deal or an acquisition, right? Um, that's going to separate you know, the good from the bad and the real from the fake. And I know other people are talking about this as well, but a lot of money was raised uh, on which the, the hold is going to be coming up here over the next couple of months that could create um, uh, anomalies, let's call it, to... to uh, give you an opportunity to get in certain names. Well said. Well said. Um, that's all I got, Mr. Hodge. Anything else you want to add to that? I just got to tell you about this lady uh, quick. Her name is uh, Lillian Brown, and we'll post a link. I feel like we haven't done too many positive stories, but the story caught my eye this week because this lady passed away at 106 years old. And she was the makeup artist for presidents hmm. uh, all the way back to Eisenhower. From mm. Eisenhower to Clinton, um, she got, uh, pres you mentioned Nixon earlier, she got President Nixon to stop crying like three, <laughs> like three minutes before he had to go on air to resign because he was in his office uh, bawling and she knew that it, she couldn't put makeup on him until he got stopped crying. Otherwise, the makeup would be uh, running all over his thing. But more importantly, and what struck me about the article is, you know, I'm sure you know, since Bill Clinton, every part of the transition team, like you bring in your own like cosmetologist, like I'm <laughs> sure that's how far we've gone with it now. Right. Like, um, uh, but this lady was like, it wasn't like a partisan thing. Like she wasn't part of the team, but she ended up like being literally in the room in some of the most important and consequential moments of uh, presidential and thereby U.S. history for the past, whatever that is, 50, 60 years. Right. Um, moments before they were about to go on television and, and reveal something big or, or respond to a national tragedy. And so um, it became like her role almost to be like not amused, but like um, 
like she wasn't a cosmetologist, like makeup wasn't what she did. She was more of like a, a confidant, right? Like she would uh, choose the tie for the for the situation because of how the, the color was going to be on the palette for the mood and, and things like that. And I just feel like that's far removed from uh, where we are now and just give me a sense of, um, I don't know, uh, uh, history and and how things have changed and 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 just the, the impact that this woman's life was incredible to me. So Lillian Brown, I'll post a link. Sorry for another. No, uh, no, no, no. I, I'm actually going to follow that up. Uh, I, I, I saw you post that story and something else that I saw you post. I think it was maybe a month or so again. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was your grandfather who was a tailor. That's right. Okay, 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 can you share that story? Because that's one I wanted to speak about. Several weeks ago, I just with everything going on, it, 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 I completely spaced it. But I was fascinated by it. I I I I, I was I was fascinated by it. it. Put a smile on my face. I'm not sure what I posted. I think there's the the YouTube video out there that my mom made when he retired. But I mean, it's just classic you know, successful immigrant story. I believe is is what you're talking about. I mean, he was. And my grandmother were exceedingly poor in, in Italy. Is that what you're talking absolutely, about? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it is. Yeah, when my mom was born in, in Italy in the in the early 1960s, and there was a a call for skilled labor from uh, President John F. Kennedy that if you had a, a you were a tradesman, you could uh, get immigration status to the United States. And so uh, he jumped at the opportunity and, and came before my my grandmother came and, and my mom and started working in a, a sweatshop sewing suits. And then um, he set up shop with some family that had already moved in, in southeastern Pennsylvania, just north of Maryland, which is why I ended up in Maryland. And um, when he could, he called for my grandmother and uh, mother. And then the, my grandmother went to work in the sweatshop. Eventually, they saved enough money to open up their own tailor shop. Mm. Um, and then it just quintessential success story from there. I mean, he ran... Um, one of the only, if not the only, you know, independent tailor shops in Newark, Delaware for a long time. He was a tailor for a lot of U.S., uh, not U.S., excuse me, Delaware state senators and congressmen, including Joe Biden mm-hmm. back in the day in the, in the, in the 70s. Um, and then sold his shop to a Vietnamese immigrant. So it all comes full circle. It is a lovely story. Imagine living in a country, Nick, where we want to reward hardworking, talented, entrepreneurial immigrants and allow them to assimilate into society and contribute in a healthy and positive way. Imagine a country that welcomes that spirit. And the studies show that it's beneficial to the country as far as economic growth and things that we were talking about earlier, productivity are, are, are concerned. And, um, you know, I think we even talked about Pew polls a couple of, of weeks or months ago. Again, time is a blur this year about how a sentiment was actually uh, uh, changing towards being more receptive to um, immigrants. I mean, it's a it's an immigrant based country. I think everyone forgets that at the end of the day when we talk about uh, America. Right. And so, um, yeah, for sure. Well said. Well said. That is all I got. Anything else, Mr. Hodge? No, that's it. Go forth and prosper. Go forth and prosper. Wear a mask if you're going to be around hundreds of people. Um, at any given time, wash your hands, be kind to each other. This is Gerardo Del Real along my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 89 of Bizarro World. 89 of these, Nick. S- send us off. We'll see you next week for 90.